Our sermon this morning is in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, continuing to work our way along in Galatians. And as you're finding it, I just want to refresh our memory of the two paths that we see laid out before us in Galatians. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at them with these big pads here. I just want to refresh our memory of what we've been talking about. So which path are you on? Because either of these paths are possible for people that go to Doolin's Grove Church. So the path we want to be on is the path of the true gospel. The true gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins so that sinners like me and you could be forgiven and reconciled and made innocent before God. That is the path we want to be on. But there are distorted gospels, and it's possible to get off track and be following a distorted gospel. That's what was going on for the Galatian Christians that we read about in the book of Galatians. So they were believing a distorted gospel that said, to be justified, to be made innocent before God, you need to trust and follow Jesus and do something else. For them, it was follow the Jewish law. Now, we know that the true gospel says Jesus justifies, just faith in Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus and church attendance makes you innocent before God. It's not Jesus and being a morally upright person makes you just before God. It's just faith in Jesus. That is the true gospel. Walking this path of the true gospel, our only hope to be right with God being our faith in Jesus Christ, leads to freedom. Freedom from sin and freedom from what the Bible calls law. Freedom from having to obey in order to be right with God. This is why we do not follow the Jewish law, because of what Jesus Christ has done. Walking the path of a distorted gospel that believes in Jesus and something else to justify leads to slavery. One, it leads to continued slavery to sin, because only Jesus frees us from that, but also slavery to whatever it is that you think is making you right with God. So if you think that it's Jesus and church attendance, You will be enslaved to church attendance. You will go because you feel like you must go or else God will turn from you and be displeased with you. Whereas in Christ, you know that we are are free related both to sin and religious obligations. So the life lived in allegiance to Jesus Christ, walking according to the true gospel, knowing that Jesus alone justifies us, is a life of freedom and is marked by grace and faith. We are the recipients of God's blessings that we can't earn and didn't earn, and we trust in Jesus Christ for those blessings. Walking the path of a distorted gospel, adding something along to Jesus to be justified, is a life marked by rules and obligations. And many people, this is their Christian life. It's just trying to keep up with rules and obligations. I got to go to church because that's what you have to do to keep God loving you. I've got to be nice today because that's what you have to do to stay innocent before God. Now, it's a subtle difference, but it's a hugely different outcome. We want to be on this path, the path of the true gospel. So what we have in front of us today is going to be, I think, 
simpler than the last two Sundays. We've done some hard work together in Galatians, and you guys have hung with me really well. What we have in front of us today is just five reminders to keep us on this path, to keep us living according to the true gospel. The first one, they're, they're all pretty simple. You might have noticed that we don't have a response sheet this week. Uh, there's really nothing I want you to be like trying to do this week other than just remembering these things and enjoying the fact that we get to live in light of the true gospel. So the first reminder, Jesus was crucified for you. Jesus was crucified for you. Galatians 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So he says, you Galatians, you're not just wrong to live by this distorted gospel. You're foolish. You know that Jesus was crucified for you. Who has bewitched you or hypnotized you? You must be hypnotized. You must be under some kind of a spell to have forgotten how good the good news is and now be adding legalism to your faith. You know that Jesus was crucified for you. For us, it poses the question, does our life make sense in light of the crucifixion? Does your life, the way you go about your life, does it make sense in light of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? And for the Galatians, it was pretty recent history that Jesus was crucified. For us, it's been a long time since that historical event, and time has a way of diluting the power of an event. Think about 9-11. Those of you who were alive when 9-11 took place and old enough to know what was going on, Remember how you felt on 9-12, the day after 9-11? There was an intensity that you don't have probably now. Like, we look back on it now, we know that was an important event. You see slogans like, never forget. But it doesn't have the emotional impact, and it's not really the life-changing event now that it was on 9-12. And so it is with the gospel. It was a long time ago. But it is still the central event of our lives as Christians. So another question to help us think about this reminder. If the crucifixion happened yesterday, instead of way back then, 2,000 years ago, if it happened yesterday, and you heard the good news, Jesus Christ, all these sins that you'd been carrying with you, all this self-justification you'd been trying to pull off, Jesus paid for all those sins on the cross. He died for you yesterday. What would be different about your life? What would be different about your priorities? What would be different about your perspective today? Specifically in light of freedom. What would be different about your perspective on your sin? What would be different about your perspective on trying to justify yourself? Remembering the crucifixion of Jesus Christ breaks the spell of a distorted gospel. Distorted gospels thrive when we minimize Jesus' death in our place for our sins. But God wants us to remember it continually. That's why we partake of the Lord's Supper so frequently. He wants us to stay 
centered on the fact that Jesus died in our place on the cross. Remembering Jesus was crucified for you will keep you on the path of the true gospel. Second reminder, remember that you received the Holy Spirit by faith and not by works. Remember that you received the Holy Spirit by faith and not by works. Look at verse 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Did you receive the Spirit by works of law or by hearing with faith? So if you are a Christian, you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior and you're following Jesus as your Lord, you have the Holy Spirit. This passage makes that clear. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. And you receive the Holy Spirit by faith, not by works. When you became a Christian, after your baptism, you weren't handed a punch card like at a sub shop. And every time you come to church, you get another punch on the punch card. And once you get to 10 punches, then you get the Holy Spirit. Or once you learn to evangelize, then you get the Holy Spirit. Or once you've memorized all the books of the Bible, then you get the Holy Spirit. You didn't work your way up to the Holy Spirit. You received the Holy Spirit by faith too. All of this good stuff that we enjoy as Christians came by faith and not by works. That's Paul's point. Specifically, he says it's by hearing with faith. You heard the good news of Jesus Christ and you believed it. And then you received all these blessings through Jesus, including the Holy Spirit. Remembering how we received the Spirit keeps us on this path. We didn't work for him to earn him. We received him by faith. The third reminder, remember, you are being perfected the same way you began. You are being perfected as a Christian the same way you began as a Christian. Verse 3, are you so foolish? Don't you like Paul's tone with the Galatians? Would you like if that was my tone with you guys? You idiots. That's really what the language said. I mean, you could translate it. Are you so dumb? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Like, do you really think you began in light of all this grace and all this mercy and all this supernatural working of God? Now, do you really think you're going to see it through based on your effort? You're perfected the same way you began. Many people think that the supernatural stuff of Christianity happens when someone is saved, when God flips that switch in their heart and they can trust and believe in Jesus. But then after that, it's them on their own, uh, just a self-improvement project like any other self-help path. But God says, no, it's all supernatural. Every day that you live as a Christian, you're faithful to Jesus Any spiritual growth that you experience is another page added to your testimony of what God has done. It's not another line added to your resume of your own spiritual accomplishment. God is the one at work through every step of this. So why would we add this this human effort to the gospel? It's all supernatural. You can think of salvation like a drowning person. So without Christ, 
we're drowning in our sin and our attempts at justifying ourselves are failing. We can't tread water enough to get above surface and we're dying in it. We're dying in our sin and our self-justification. And then God, through Jesus Christ, plunges into the waters and by the power of the Holy Spirit grabs hold of us and swims back up to the surface through that dark, murky water and back up to where we can breathe again. Jesus Christ has saved us. He has done what we could not do on our own, and he has saved us from our sins and our self-justification. He doesn't then say, see ya, good luck, the shore's over there, start swimming, I've got other people to save and swim away. He continues by his mercy and grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to grip us and keep us above the surface. He continues to sustain and develop our Christian life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every day that you live as a Christian is as amazingly miraculous as the time that you were saved. There is nothing in you naturally that could sustain your Christian life. It's all a miracle. It's amazing. And remembering this keeps us on the path of the true gospel. It keeps us away from, again, trying to justify ourselves. It keeps us away from judging those who aren't as far along as we are because however far along we are wasn't because of our goodness and our effort. It was because of God and the Holy Spirit. So we need to remember these things, which is basically the point of the fourth reminder. So reminder number one, Jesus was crucified for you. Reminder number two, you received the Holy Spirit by faith and not by works. Reminder number three, you're being perfected the same way you began as a Christian. And then reminder number four, your experience points to justification by faith. Your experience as a Christian points to justification by faith in Jesus. It points to the true gospel. Verse four, it says, did you suffer or that could be translated experience, and your Bible might say experience. But mine says suffer, so I'm going to read it that way. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Now, I have a little footnote there that says it could be experience rather than suffer. And I think that makes a lot more sense in context. That's basically his whole argument. If you foolish Galatians will slow down and just think about your experience of Christianity, how you became a Christian, by believing in what Jesus did for you on the cross. How you've been growing as a Christian by the Holy Spirit's work within you. How you received the Spirit in the first place. It's all by faith in what God is doing for you through Jesus. None of it has been by your effort and achievement. And if we'll reflect on it, we'll stay on the right path. It's when we stop remembering and stop reflecting that we get off track and start to follow a distorted gospel start to think that we need Jesus and something else to be right with God, start requiring new people coming into the faith to trust in Jesus and do something else or believe something in addition. Reflecting keeps us on the path. And then finally, the fifth reminder, God's work in your life comes by faith and not by works. God's work in your life comes by faith and not by works. Verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law 
or by hearing with faith? Does he who continually supplies the Holy Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he who does the supernatural work of Christianity in your life, does he do that powered by your works of the law? Or do you experience that by your faith? Specifically, again here, hearing by faith. Hearing with faith. I think that is the major clue as we have thought about all this theology and as we wonder, what does this look like in day-to-day real life? I think this is a huge clue. Hearing with faith. Mentioned twice in this passage. Hearing and believing. That is the lifestyle of the one who is walking according to the true gospel. Hearing and believing. Hearing and believing. It's what got us into Christianity, and it's what keeps us going in Christianity. Hearing and believing. Hearing and believing. It's like the two wheels on the bicycle of Christianity. Hearing God's words, believing God's words. Hearing God's words, believing God's words. And we say, well, could it really be that simple? Well, of course, because that's where the power has always been, has been in God's words. That's how he created everything. He spoke it into existence. The Bible has all kinds of promises about what he does through his word. It's how he transforms us uh, as Christians by the renewal of our minds through receiving his words. It's living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's all profitable. It's breathed out by God and profitable for all the Christian development he wants to see happen in us. It happens by hearing and believing, hearing and believing. He gives us an example as he closes this part of the book. Verse 5, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So here's the example the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to use as we think about this last reminder. It's like Abraham. So if you remember Abraham, he was called out from his hometown and his people to go to a land he didn't know where, and all he had was God's promises. God said, go to a land I'll show you, and I'll make you into a great nation. Through this nation will come a blessing to all the nations. I'm going to bless you with a promised land and a promised child. And now Abraham, elderly guy, should have been he and his wife beyond childbearing age. He heard and he believed. He heard what God said, and he believed what God said. Now, for us as Christians, that starts with hearing what God has said about Jesus Christ and believing what God has said about Jesus Christ. And then it follows by hearing what God says in his word and believing what God says in his word. And just like Abraham acting on his belief, that's the daily life of a Christian. Hearing, believing, hearing, believing. Hearing and believing and living according to it. That's what Christianity looks like. Hear and believe. I get made fun of for my voicemail on my cell phone. Some of you maybe have left me a message on my cell phone. I genuinely don't understand what's so funny about it because it's appropriate, it's accurate. But I say something to the effect of, uh, leave a message and I will respond accordingly. I'm not going to say, leave me a message and I'll call you back because that might not be the appropriate response. Your message may not have needed me to call you back. It might have been you need me to do something. So I'm going to respond according to whatever you put in the message. That's, that's this idea here. We hear God's message, we respond accordingly. We hear it, we believe it, we live accordingly. 
by what we've heard and what we've believed. I think a lot of Christians think that there's some kind of an osmosis effect. You know, we'll go to church and just be around the word, and it'll kind of rub off, and we'll be a little holier because of it. But that's not how it works. We are secured in this relationship with God, and now we get to live by what he says is true. And so we come together on Sunday mornings, and it's centered around a sermon. And I do my best to make the sermons just a relaying and explaining and a pressing into your hearts what is true on God's, based on God's word. And then we go forth and we believe it together. Through the week, we live in belief of what we heard on Sundays together. That's really what keeps us as a church growing as Christians, hearing and believing together. That's why we have quiet times in the mornings. Those who do, and I would encourage you to, but it doesn't have to be in the mornings, but sometime, I call it a quiet time, just some time with your word and in prayer, hearing from God so that you can believe it throughout the day. Live in light of the truth of it. It may be that you encounter a promise. I'm going to just believe this promise today. It may be that you encounter a truth. I'm going to lock this truth into my worldview today. And through that process, we grow and we're perfected as God does it through the Holy Spirit, through his power. Remembering these things keeps us on the path. Remembering that Jesus was crucified for you will keep you on the path. Remembering that you received the Holy Spirit by faith and not by your own good works will keep you on the path. Remember, remembering that you are being perfected in the same way you began as a Christian will keep you walking according to the true gospel. Remembering that all your experience as a Christian points you to this truth will protect you from getting off course and believing a false or distorted gospel. And remembering that God's work in your life comes by faith and not your own good works will keep you trusting in and walking according to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. It is, is the way of grace and peace. It is what I pray for us, for myself, for my family, and for, for us as a church. It is the way of forgiveness and deliverance from this present evil age. It is the way of justification, being made right with God, innocent before God, and forgiveness. It is a way of freedom, both from sin and from the law. God wants us walking in this freedom. So there is no response sheet this week, but let these reminders rekindle in you a desire to hear and believe because you are a Christian. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your reminders this morning in your word. I pray for our church family, those here, but also those not here. Lord, would you just further secure us in the true gospel of Jesus Christ? We confess based on your word that we are justified and made right with you only because of our faith in Jesus, not because of any good works that we include. And we want to live more fully this life of freedom, this life marked by grace and faith. So Lord, help us remember. We ask for your Holy Spirit to empower us to remember these truths this week and to live in light of them. In Jesus' name, amen.